0: This afternoon I preach you the word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 33 of the Heidelberg Catechism. Continuing on, regular exposition of our confession. In the third part of the catechism, our thankfulness. It's on page 549 in the book of praise if you'd like to read along. And here the church confesses, What is the true repentance or conversion of man? It is the dying of the old nature and the coming to life of the new. What is the dying of the old nature? It is to grieve with heartfelt sorrow that we have offended God by our sin and more and more to hate it and flee from it. What is the coming to life of the new nature? It is a heartfelt joy in God through Christ and a love and delight to live according to the will of God in all good works. But what are good works? Only those which are done out of true faith in accordance with the law of God and to his glory and not those based on our own opinion or on precepts of men. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, think about what you do throughout the day on an average day of the week. You read your Bible, you pray, you sleep, you eat several meals a day, you raise your children, you do your work, you go to school, you study, maybe you have entertainment, you like to play sports. During all these activities... If you go through that and you think about that, how many evil works do you figure you do and how many good works? Do you even know how you can check to see if the things that you do every day are pleasing to God or not? We know the place of good works in the life of a Christian, that they're the fruit of the Holy Spirit, they show ourselves thankful to God, they assure us of our faith and they also can be used by God to win our neighbor for Christ but how do we know that how can we tell that what we're doing is is a good work something that is pleasing to the Lord we've spent several Sundays thinking about our pilgrim life as the Holy Spirit leads us through a world that is fallen and filled with temptations to sin We've considered what both First Peter 2 and Galatians 5, verse 24 to 26, teach us about how the Holy Spirit leads us to be active in, in the dying of the old nature. So we've dealt quite extensively with question and answer 89. We've also considered Romans 14, verses 17 to 19, that teaches us about the coming to life of The new nature, as we confess it in question and answer 90, and we used the example of of doing good works not as a burden or an obligation, but we used the example of of a car enthusiast who was taking a car that he received as a gift for, for a ride, finding out everything that Christ has obtained for us and rejoicing in that. That enjoyment of all that we have in Christ's That's what manifests itself in good works. The bud of regeneration bursts into a beautiful flower of good works in our lives as our new nature is is coming to life, just like a bud opening up in the springtime. We can see God's powerful work in our lives. And the good news that I preach to you today is that God has shown us what it is like when he is the one who is working in our will, in our desires, and also making us work for his good pleasure, as we read in Philippians 1, verse 13. This afternoon, then, we'll consider one thing we have not yet looked at in the last few weeks, is what is good works? What is the character of good works that God works? We'll see that under the theme Good works are the fruit of God's work, or God works good works. We'll see that God defines what is good in his word, that Christ did works that are truly good, and that Christians will and work for God's good pleasure. When we read good works, we read the word good in there, and we right away come into a, a situation where we have different definitions of what good is. And in fact, our definition of what good is is very countercultural. Maybe we don't even realize how countercultural our definition of good is. But we live in a, in a world where politicians and journalists and celebrities and, and company owners are always trying to tell us what is good or not. Constantly, people are telling us, and you can see it in the news, what we can think or what is acceptable speech. Even they tell us what we need to purchase, what we need to buy to be happy. And woe to you if you do not agree with their conclusions about what to think about gender or adultery or idolatry, or diversity, equity, and inclusion. Since these so-called leaders in society are motivated to have other people like them, and they have associated their ideas with their identities, they will not hesitate to defame or shame or cancel anyone who questions their definitions of good. And so that's the culture we're raising our children up in. You and your children will feel a lot of pressure to conform to the norms of society, to make decisions about whether something is good or bad based on what you might feel at the moment. Ethical choices are often being presented to us in very tricky ways because no one is prepared to acknowledge that Sin against God is the root problem, the root of the problem. And Many influencers and many journalists end up calling what the Bible says is evil, they call it good. And what the Bible says is good is called evil. And so we can easily be led along down a slippery slope of what are ultimately irrational arguments. Where exception, the exceptions for special circumstances, are made into general rules for everyone. But your questions are called hate, and your love may be called intolerance. So, how can we know what is good? Well, society keeps on changing the name of the game. It's like going from a game of basketball to a game of, of golf. First, it's good to get points, so you try to get as many as, as, as you can, but all of a sudden, someone tells you that points are actually bad, and you should try and get as few as possible. And so we're faced with, with difficult reactions among the general population, moving along with the whims and the moods of, of the leaders of society. So our definition and the definition in society of good works will keep on changing. What might be a a good work one day, hiring someone on the basis of merit, could be considered an evil the next day, a failure to be inclusive. And so as we reflect on that, we we pray together that God may be very merciful to families, to, to young people, they seek to navigate their way forward in this world. and The good news that we may proclaim in the midst of this changing world where the definition of good is always changing is that God has not left us to be tossed and fro by every new philosophy or every new worldview that may be propagated in our society. When we, serve, when we seek to serve the Lord our God as King. We can always know what is good, what is pleasing in His sight. We confess that there is a standard from the Word of God, and we confess that in question and answer 91 of the Heidelberg Catechism, a definition of good works that contains both the positive statement that good works are only those which are done out of true faith, in accordance with the law of God and to his glory, and then a part that says what good works are not, which defies the operating system of our society when we say, and not those based on our own opinion or on the precepts of men. The Westminster Confession of Faith is a confession in common use among many of our Presbyterian sister churches, explains positively in Article 16 that good works are only such as God hath commanded in His Holy Word. And then adds a similar warning, and not such as without the warrant of Scripture thereof are devised by men out of blind zeal or upon any pretense of good intention. That negative part of the definition which serves as a contrast, reminds us that the standard for good is something that is outside of ourselves or of any human being for that matter. Humans aren't ultimately the the judge of what is good or not. The Westminster Confession says that good works are only such as God commanded in his word. That fits very well with our understanding that the Holy Spirit works in our lives through the Holy Scriptures. The Scriptures serve as the only binding and authoritative standard by which we can judge whether something in our conscience or something that we are doing is good or not. And as a result, a necessary condition for doing good works is faith in God. When the Belgic Confession explains in Article 24 what the Bible teaches about sanctification and good works. It brings these two elements together in the statements, without true faith, no one one would ever do anything out of love for God, but only out of self-love or fear of being condemned. The conclusion from the Scriptures is that in order to do good works, we need the Word of God to guide us. And we need faith that is worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. Christian works find their source in the work of God. We have seen this in Galatians 5, when the Holy Spirit works in our hearts. We read in Ephesians 2, verse 10... That he leads us in good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. The Lord Jesus is the living example of what it looks like to live by the Spirit in true faith and according to the word of God as revealed, according to the will of God as revealed in the scriptures. We'll see that in our second point. Christ is the embodiment of the law. If you want to know how to live according to the will of God, there is a true and righteous person, Jesus Christ, who did that perfectly on this world in the midst of all that fallenness and all that confusion. He is a picture of human obedience. And when we look at his life, we see how we come to the conclusion about good works and uh, question and Answer 91 and Lord's Day 33. We look at his life. We see every work he did was out of true faith, in accordance with the law of God, and to His glory. And we can go through his life, and we can see that we could see that it was out of true faith. His works were motivated by his true faith. That there is one true eternal God who created the world and who placed us in the world to serve him and to serve our neighbor. We see this in in Christ's constant life of of prayer to his Father in heaven. We see it in his unwavering love and his compassion for his neighbors, even even his, his neighbors who were considered lowly by the society at his time. The things that our Lord Jesus did flowed from his faith in the grace of God and sending his own son to redeem the world from the punishment it deserved for its sin. We see this in Christ teaching about his own life and his own work and bringing people the joy of the forgiveness of sins. Every word, every deed came from this faith in God's work in the world. And so Christ showed us that doing a good work out of true faith means doing it in the understanding, the faith, that there is an eternal creator, a holy judge, a gracious heavenly father, and an eternal kingdom. When our motivation to do something comes out of our sure knowledge that everything God has revealed in his word is true, and that firm confidence that God has saved us through Christ without any merit of our own, then we can be certain that the bud from which the good works will burst is not a dud-bub. However, faith and good intentions are not good works on their own. Although true faith is a necessary ingredient of every good work and the only kind of bud that will produce the flower of good works, the flower of good works is still necessary to show our thankfulness to God. Our faith in God that turns our hearts away from self-love and our love for God that is so much more wonderful than a fear of being condemned lead us to a serious and holy pursuit of a clear conscience and of good works. Good works are the vital sign that faith exists. Faith is ultimately an action word. Faith is something that can be seen in our lives. We we return to Jesus' life. You could see his faith in his amazing kindness, his constant compassion. His constructive criticism, his instructive love, his exemplary and humble service—we think of John 13 when he washed his disciples' feet, even Judas' feet. We read through the the Gospels and we see that our Lord Jesus was exemplary. He was a true and righteous human being. He showed us that. He showed us that it is. That man cannot live on bread alone, but on every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. And So his faith in scriptures led him to teach the scriptures, to sing the scriptures, and to live according to the scriptures. In his case, even fulfilling the prophecies of scriptures. When we compare the works we do to the law of God, which touches on our hearts and our minds and our actions. We can know if what we are doing are good works or not. The law of God embodied in the life of Jesus Christ helps us to see that the good works that are are in our lives, whether they are flowing from the bud of faith that the Spirit works in our hearts, or if it is the fruit of nearby weeds or parasitic plants. That's why Christians spend so much time, and we're going to be doing that in the coming weeks, why we spend so much time contemplating God's laws, comparing God's words and His works to our lives. The bud, the bud of regeneration and faith in and, and God worked in our hearts by the Holy Spirit gives us a passionate desire to live in God's will for his glory. Jesus embodied this as well in his life. Everything he did out of true faith in accordance with the law of God ultimately led to the glory of God the Father. We're reminded about how God created men to glorify him and then so when our Lord Jesus, when he, when he lived according to God's word, when he divided up, he multiplied the, the bread and the fish, or when he raised Lazarus from the dead, he, he prayed that those who might see this would know that it is his Father in heaven who's doing that. He, he was, his actions were, were lifting people's minds up to God so that they might give God the glory shows us that the final mark of a good work is that it gives a true picture of what God is like what he approves and what he abhors sometimes we have that with relationships you say well this is a, a loving relationship but maybe it's not a relationship according to the command of God and when people see that they say really? God is in favor of adultery. It's a loving relationship, but it's not a relationship that gives glory to God. In fact, it sends the the wrong picture to the world about who God is. People should be able to learn about the God you worship by the works that are flowing from your faith by the application of God's law. And if they don't, then either your faith is misplaced, maybe you're serving a a carved image, or you have misunderstood his will. Works are only good works if they proclaim the excellencies of our Father in heaven. Your repentance is only good in God's sight if he receives the praise for the changes in your life. Your joy and delight is only good in God's sight if he receives the glory for the joy that you are experiencing in your life. Christ's life teaches us that God should be able to be seen in the flower of the good works that he is working in our lives. And so we're ready to go back to our day-to-day activities, that list we made at the very beginning, and to look at it again to see how many of those things were good works and how many were not. Christians will work, will and work for God's good pleasure. You see, God is the only one who works good works, but he does that together with our own wills. We saw that in Philippians 2, verse 13. He works on our will so that it is our will that actually does the acting. And so as a result, the apostle can tell us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. This means that that every one of us in our hearts and our souls and our minds, our bodies are involved in that sanctifying process showing the presence of the Holy Spirit. This means that you have to make a tough decision many times every day, that you have to resist what is evil and it may be a sacrifice that you make, even though it is understood as God that leads you to resist temptations to sin, to deny yourselves, to take the steps to grow in holiness, to to make that move, to to join yourself to a Bible study, to to seek further fellowship. Christians are in battle mode in this life because the, the marks of good works that we confess, they're not just descriptive, they don't just describe God's work, but they are also prescriptive. They also teach us how to shape our lives. So we do well to to memorize those three marks, to to think about them often, to consider how they fit with what we do every day. With the voice of God resounding in our minds, all those who love the Lord, who want to walk with him in newness of life that Christ has obtained, they will constantly ask themselves, and here you can fill in, Maybe what you're eating and how you eat, or maybe how you play sports, or maybe what you're listening to in your earbuds or watching on the screen. Maybe it's how you do your work, what others think of you. Maybe it's how you are in school. We ask ourselves, does this action, this eating, this studying, this working, this talking, does it flow out of my faith? in the triune God? Or am I doing this as a reaction to another influence in my life? We ask ourselves, is this action, this eating, this movie, this this film, is this action in accordance with the will of God revealed in scriptures? Or am I breaking a commandment by omission or commission not living as a citizen of the kingdom of heaven, pushing down the fruit of the Spirit. Then we look at what we do every day and we ask the question, am I and the people around me able to learn more about the excellencies of God Almighty so they glorify God as a result of this word I am speaking or this thing I am doing or this attitude i have toward my teacher or toward my employer or am i causing people to think that god <clears throat> that god and his commandments are not so excellent after all so think again about those things you do every day those three questions memorize what we had in the catechism it's a part of that battle for holiness to the glory of God. There's so many decisions we make every day. Are you using God's word to determine what is good? Does your faith in Christ relate to the priorities you set for yourself? Do, you, do people learn more about God by looking at your lives? Are you striving to be Christ-like? And we see that, don't we? We see the work of the Holy Spirit in that struggle, in that battle, in that desire to give glory to God and to proclaim His excellencies. We confess in Article 24 that our faith induces us to apply ourselves to those works which God has commanded in his word and then there comes a word of comfort for all of us who want to give more glory to God than, than we are doing. At the very end or in the middle of Article 24 talking about good works we read this beautiful confession. These works proceeding from the good root of faith are good and acceptable in the sight of God since they are sanctified by his grace think of that sanctified good works sanctified by God's grace this tells us this tells us that not only that it tells us not only that even our best works in this life aren't sufficient to earn our way into heaven they need God's sanctifying grace but it also encourages us to to remind us that God is looking with favor and mercy and grace upon us as we seek to serve him and so we read in Romans that he perfects our prayers we read that that the Lord shows grace to us even when our our best works in this life are are still stained with sins he is pleased by our hearts he looks at our hearts he tells us to to change our hearts before him And he sees that desire, even in our weakness, even in our limitations. That's why before we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we say that together, we do not have perfect faith, we do not serve God with such zeal as he requires, and yet, yet, he forgives us as we seek him in humility. Brothers and sisters, as we think about good works and we compare our lives to the commandments, to faith, to the glory of God, we will always see that they are lacking, that there is is more to do. We'll always see that the Holy Spirit is is leading us further in that fight to pursue that excellence, to continually be reforming our life. You won't find a sincere Christian looking up at the Lord and and telling him proudly that that I, I've arrived, I've managed, I've done it. We all rely on God's sanctifying grace and mercy. And we know that God sees that some flowers are not as lush and beautiful in color as they, they could be but we believe that he is grace, gracious and merciful to also sanctify what is weak in us. We'll see that as we rejoice in this, it will not cause us to be lazy, to say, well, that's, that's good enough. Let God do the sanctifying because those in whose hearts the Spirit reigns love to glorify God. We love to, to submit to Christ. We love that other people might know what God is like by the way we live. And so as we pursue holiness, we do so praying that God may open our eyes to see and understand his will from his word. That he may quicken our hearts to submit to Christ our King. That he may open our eyes to see that we are part of an eternal kingdom and that he may move our hands and our mouths to show, express our love for him and for our neighbors as we continue to seek to glorify him. Amen.